Hey, Gavin, what's going on, bro? Man, you, you got five years. You serious? Yeah. Yeah. You all right? Um, no. I, I don't know. You got time to meet? Uh, I'm at the office um, grabbing gear, man. I got to go to class at Forest Hill in about an hour, but I could definitely use a coffee. I can meet you at Park Grounds in like five. Yeah, thanks, man. I'll see you there. It's weird. He's been like slowly figuring himself out like, you know, most teenagers do. You know, it wasn't like he was a bad kid to begin with. You can see how he's grown and you think you're making progress and you're living your life. And then you get hit with five years. He had a kid on the way. You know, his mom works at a fast food joint at night. Dad's not around. You know, he's going to school. You know, I went to his school. He's at Frederick Doug. All the teachers knew him. They're like, oh, he's good. You know, he's making music. He works hard. And then this one thing happens. And then, like, five years. What you're saying about Jonathan sounds a lot like my students at Forest Hill Academy. They're messing up, but like they got nobody to talk to. Like they got no support. They don't have support, and you know you're saying this kid is gonna be born while his dad is in jail. Yeah. You know, speaking for Jonathan. Yeah. We got kids who are like, okay, my my mom's in jail, my dad's in jail, we're not around. You know, a couple kids where their parents got life. No, too many people in jobs that they hate. Like, why are you doing it? What's the point? Are you making a difference? Are you contributing? You don't feel like you're doing that? No. Doing interior design, it's not really, like, I'm not fulfilled. You know, at this point, it's just, it's what I'm trying to get there. Get to where you're fulfilled with your design work or what? Just with the work I'm doing. Well, man, I don't know. You should come come to class with me, dude. Because I'm starting to feel that. I felt the same way you felt for a long time, but like I'm, I'm in the schools now, and I at least, like, at the very least, I'm like, yo, I'm making a difference, introducing them to something new, something that they maybe didn't think was an option before. Mm-hmm. I, I can just look at my day and be like, cool, well, I'm helping this kid. So it might be cool for you to come come check out what we do. Maybe there's a way to get you involved. Yeah, I'd like that. When you going? You going now? Uh, class starts in 10 minutes. Let's go. All right, let's do it. Welcome to Embrace the Mess, where we navigate the messy, challenging, and ultimately rewarding reality of trying to break down the barriers that prohibit vulnerability and creativity between educators and students. Embrace the Mess is a Reimagine ATL podcast. Reimagine ATL exists to equip the next generation of storytellers. What's good? What's good? What's popping? Welcome to the first season of Embrace the Mess. Is this number one? This is the first season, Gavin. You guys are fortunate to be here for, for the beginning of, of this trilogy. Gavin, we don't know that it's a trilogy yet. Oh. We got a budget for one season. Oh, okay. Well, we can, we can fit like three in one, right? Can we do that? Anyway, this is the first season of Embrace the Mess. This is the first episode. I'm Padas Chaudhary, senior producer and teaching artist at Reimagine ATL. I'm Gavin Bernard, teaching artist and producer at Reimagine ATL. We run a 10-week program in which we are tasked with going into Atlanta public schools to create film and digital media content with teenagers, teenagers who have not otherwise had access or exposure to the industry. 
Yes, these are teenagers which might have had some issues at their homeschool, might not really have the resources that they need, and we're going in and doing this supplementary program with them where we're able to dive deep into the storytelling process. These are the kids who are going to be left behind because they don't have access or exposure to the tools to be a part of the industry that's happening in their backyard. Happening down the street from where they live. Down the street. But they're like, hey, what is that? And why can't I be a part? Because nobody's reaching out. So we're both artists, Gavin and myself. I'm a filmmaker, an actor, writer, MC. Mm. I might drop bars at some point. If you're lucky, you might hear something. Gavin, you are? I do interior design. I do some installation work. And I'm a dance performer. So we kind of apply these skills and the tools we've learned to guide students through the process of coming up with an idea, some sort of story they want to tell, something personal, something that's in their voice and that speaks to their peers, right? And then you can't just have an idea. You got to take it and you got to line produce it. You got to break it down. You got to figure out what needs you have to make it the best thing it can be. And then you got to do it. And it's okay if you don't know what line producer is. We'll go over that throughout the Throughout the series. But even beyond that, they're storytelling, but then our next goal is to sort of plug them into the industry, the booming Atlanta industry. So that they can get paid. So they can get paid. There's no reason they can't be on Stranger Things in shows like that. You're bringing in actors from around the world to be on Stranger Things in Atlanta, in their backyard. Why not them? There's kids here. We're going to make it. They're going to be on these shows if we have anything to do with it. So, Gavin, we are here to embrace this thing that we call the mess. What is that? You know, the mess comes in different forms, but uh, the best way to hear about it is right from the students' voices. So here's a snippet of some of the things our students have to deal with on a day-to-day basis, and I think that kind of sums up what the mess is. I just don't want to be classified as a bad student because I'm not a bad person. I might get out there when I'm struggling or something. I might get doing half my business, but I'm not no bad child that's being disrespectful. To be honest, I really just wanted to be an artist, but I told my teacher that. She was like, artists don't make any money. And I was like, well, I guess I won't do art anymore. Certain times, I, I go crazy. Cause I hold so much anger in. Well, Living to my anger issues, it's from my mom passing away. Then my granddad passed, my little cousin just passed, griefing therapist, an anger management therapist. Everybody just running through my house. And that is just a taste of the students we're working on storytelling with. Lamar, that's a funny kid. That was my first semester at Forest Hill working with Lamar and Kevin. He's got all that stuff going on in the house. But by the end of the program, he's starting to take an LED panel and shape light and deciding what he wants the frame to look like. That's what these kids can do. But the problem is they have these needs that are not being met. And we're trying to teach them storytelling. But how do you do that when you can't serve that immediate need, which is sometimes what their next meal is. They don't feel safe in their own neighborhoods. Again, lack of mentors, resources, access. Sometimes they don't see beyond five years. So how do you get them to care about their grades or about storytelling? It makes it a little bit tougher for us, but you know we're up for the challenge. You see, with this, filmmaking is, is really secondary. It's, it's all about giving them a platform to express themselves. That's the most important thing that we're trying to do here. And I think, you know, speaking for myself, Gavin, when I was a teenager, I didn't look five years ahead, but I knew I had options. I didn't come from a 
a well-off family, but I knew I was going to apply to colleges. I knew I had options. How about you? It wasn't as bad as what they had to go through. My father told me very early on that he was not paying for college, so that's something I had to do. But at least I had a good high school that I was going to to get that, at least that basic foundation of knowledge before I decided to go to uh, higher education for myself. But I didn't have to deal with some of the issues that these kids have to deal with. So that's a game changer right there. And not only that, the outlook was different. I didn't see myself in a, in a negative way. You know, these kids have already been labeled as unteachable, lost causes. They're not given the tools in, in school to really reach their potential. Mm. All those things prohibit them from really seeing how great they can actually be. And they're really saving us, man. I moved to Atlanta and I was like, after 15 years in Queens and I had done all this stuff and now I'm here, I'm like, I'm lost. Not anymore. These kids give me a purpose. They make me better, you know. He's a much improved man. I might also add I'm also from Queens, but I was from Queens before he was from Queens. When <laughs> I left Queens to move to Atlanta, he left Atlanta to move to Queens. Did I say that right? Something like that. Something like that. We switched roles. But now we're here together. But look, why is it important, you know, for these kids? Like we're talking about bad kids, unteachable, lost cause. We got to change that perception. For us, that means being listening artists before we can be teaching artists. Mm -hmm. We don't want to just pull up and start teaching, you know, especially because we both fell into teaching as artists. You know, for me, I had no idea what I was doing. I'm like, I'm not about to go there and teach this thing that I'm still trying to figure out. Let's just go listen. Here's what happens when you listen. This is John at Forest Hill Academy. I like when people look up here, they say, what school are you at Forest Hill? They going to assume you're a bad child. But me, I'm not a bad child. I my lowest grade right now, like 9389, like my, that's my lowest grade. I got like 80, 100s, 99s in my classes. So like, I just don't want to be classified as a bad student because I'm not a bad person. I might get out there when I'm struggling or something, like get, doing hand my business, but I'm not no bad child that's like being disrespectful. I respect people, I respect my elders. I just play sometimes, or sometimes I ain't in the right mood. I'm just gonna blow. That's John, feeling like he's assumed to be a bad kid, but he's got a handy spot on his grades. You know what I'm saying? He's been bullied. He's trying to tell his parents. He's trying to tell his teachers, screaming for help. Nobody's listening. What happens when no one listens to you? Let's hear from John. Coming out since where I was young, and like these eighth graders, they used to bully me. I was trying to tell my mom, and I was trying to tell the teachers. They weren't putting no effort into doing nothing about it. So I was like, you know what I'm just going to take and sit in my own room. And I met this man, he had a lot of guns. So then I just told him the situation. And he gave both of the guns to me. That's when I just put my book bag, put him in some gym shorts, hit it, and took it to school. And that was John. And, you know, as you can see, he's one of our students that is never heard, not listened to. Had to take matters into his own hands. Brought a gun to school, got kicked out. And unfortunately, that's just, uh, you know, again, just a taste uh, because there's a lot of different reasons these kids, well... I don't know if there's a lot of reasons. It seems to be most kids we talk to at Forest Hill, they're, it's because of fighting that they're being sent there. Yeah. And a lot of times they're just defending themselves. Some, kids, some of the kids are honest about their starting it. A lot of times it ends up where a teacher or an admin member ends up getting pushed or punched because they jump in. So these things are happening in the heat of the moment and then boom, system. Yeah, and, you know, for a lot of these kids, it's their first offense. And, you know, I remember when I went to school, my first offense, like, if I got into a fight, I was going to detention. 
Same here. And, you know, and John, he told his teachers, told his parents they didn't really do anything. So it brings up this conversation about, like, well, when are they actually getting help? If it's not early, then they're reacting and then they're getting in trouble. Some of them are getting court cases. When it comes to, like, entering the system, committing your first offense, whatever that may be, like, we're just seeing young black men and women just push through, like, this assembly line. And that's that's what it feels like. All, all the kids, depending on what, what they do, there's the criminal justice system, and then there's tribunals, which are in-school versions of that criminal justice process. Um, I wish we knew more about that. Seriously, I wish we had some stats on that. Can we make that happen somehow? <clears throat> Yo, what was that sound? Did you hear something? <coughs> there it is again. Yo, it's Turb. Turb, our in-house fact checker. Turb, you gonna hit us with some stats? I do have some information about tribunals and what exactly they are. Tribunals are school disciplinary hearings and are considered quasi-administrative legal proceedings. In 1975, the U.S. Supreme Court recognized in Goss versus Lopez that students facing such discipline have a right to due process. Now, whether or not parents are notified of these tribunals varies from school to school. So does it feel like a lot of this is by design and these kids are being a little bit groomed? Groomed, shuffled through the system, yeah. It has been designed. This is a system that's been set up. Right. On top of that, the Equal Justice Initiative says that black students are 3.49 times more likely to be arrested at school than white students and are more than twice as likely to be referred to law enforcement. Police and court records revealed that law enforcement became involved with students for minor discipline issues. Students have been charged with crimes like assault for getting frustrated and pushing past a teacher or battery for getting in a schoolyard fight. It's upsetting and it's important because this is a recurring theme um, with the students we're working with. They tend to relate things always back to what they know. And sometimes it's, you know, violence and the street lifestyle. And you're just like, okay, well, it's what they know. Like, I don't know what I'm trying to say, Gavin. It sucks and it's unfair and something should be done about it. Facts. facts All right, facts, well, uh, facts, that was Terp pulling up with the facts. Appreciate you, Terp. Always happy to, you know, submit my opinions, which are facts. We'll be hearing from her a lot more. Terp is also the admin manager and the intro bot. Thank you again, Terp. Now let's go back to John. The last we heard from him, he'd been bullied. He had brought guns to school. He got caught. Because of that, he got sent to Forest Hill Academy. And here he is again discussing how he felt about those consequences. Like you gonna come up here on your first day, you're gonna be like, what is this like a jail? Like basically you can't like you and your little own little big old cell with like little doors in it. You can't go out the community, you can't skill, you can't do nothing. You can't look how you gotta go to the restroom. Like kindergarten, how you set a restroom right there inside the classroom. I don't wanna be here. These were John's feelings about Forest Hill Academy. He wanna be there. Just a backdrop, this is one of our incubation sites. We love Forest Hill Academy. The fact that it exists is a blessing. Shout out Forest Hills. Shout out Forest Hill, Ms. Johnson, Mrs. Smith. It's a blessing that the work they do, you're talking about teachers who really, 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 really care, and staff and admin. So it's a blessing that this place exists for Atlanta youth who've made mistakes, um, and a lot of kids love that they're there. Yeah, they see it as a second chance. Some of the kids are really able to find a safe place there and find a community. But uh, some of these kids feel trapped, 
you know, and they feel like, okay, there's no windows, there's metal detectors, or the windows are like high, right? Like they're like 10 feet in the air. Like you can't see outside. The communities are locked. You got to be escorted. These are things that make you question your own self-worth. And it's, it's sad that 15, 16-year-old kids are getting used to that. And we want to change that trajectory. We want to show them that how a space can be different, how it's not going to prohibit them from learning or prohibit them from feeling free or feeling able to express themselves. Yeah, that's beautiful. So that's sort of a snapshot into their world. And for us coming into their world, it's a little bit of a mess for us too, right? Because we're getting text messages saying, hey, I need food. I need a ride to school. Can you send me an Uber? And this is not what we've been contracted to do. We are trying to teach storytelling, but these are our kids and you develop a relationship with them and you can't help but try to serve those immediate needs, even when there's not enough time or money or resources. And it's hard when you form these bonds with these students and to leave them in the situation that they're in and knowing that if this kid's hungry, if this kid can't get a ride to our program, it's going to really stop them from progressing. So... It's in our benefit and it's in the students' benefit to give as much as we can. It might take a lot out of us, but it's part of the job. It's part of the job, and at the end of the day, it's why we do it. But out of all that, there's some absolute magic. There's some transformative things that happen, and not just for the kids, but for us. I've been transformed. You form these bonds. You know, we're teaching these kids to open up, be vulnerable. And then embrace those circumstances by telling a story and then being positive voices for those that come after them. So here are Takira and Jessica. They're two of the main students in this case study. And here they are talking to our students at Forest Hill Academy, who we had been having trouble with at that point. Everybody go through stuff. And I know people that's in your position. Like I know what you're going through, too. But it's like we trying to help you get out of that so you won't have yeah. to go through that no more. Right. Like. So when he come in, all you got to do is just be like, hey, man, look, I'm ready to work. Let's go. You need to challenge that anger. Like when you said you even feel like talking to nobody because you came from court, challenge that anger into something positive and be like, man, I ain't trying to go to court no more. I need to get this. So let me talk to you. Yeah. Like that. And just trust that whatever you're going through, you're not going through it alone. Right. Okay. It's somebody you can relate to, and it's, and it's always somebody by your side. Boom. You got the double boom there. We got a double boom there. You got that double boom. That's crazy, though, right? I mean, we were having trouble with some kids at Forest Hill with discipline, with actually getting through with them. So we're like, hey, Kira, Shanti, Jessica, they have it a little bit more together. Their circumstances aren't as dire. So let's see what happens if they talk. We always try and have um, a student advocate for us in our classrooms, someone that's gone through the program that can speak to what we've done. Because when you're going into these situations, sometimes there's going to be resistance from, from the students because these students haven't been shown love. So to have an advocate in the classroom and it be another student to speak on your behalf can do so much to not just elevate the situation, but to bring you farther along in the process. So you don't have to spend as much time getting them on your side. You have a student to help you do that. So that's a little gem there. Hold that off to the side. That, I mean, that is the gem I think, Gavin, that's the most important thing. That's what makes it transformative. That's why I'm transformed, because I see moments where the kids come together who may not have met in any other situation. And now they got this shared passion for storytelling that we have pulled up and helped them develop. And they're getting to know each other and collaborating. That's the feeling that we want to create. 
what's happening in Atlanta right now, what we're trying to cultivate is this community, this tribe of teaching artists and student artists. Tribe mentality. Tribe mentality. And it needs to grow exponentially if we're going to have any chance at being effective in the long run. We need more teaching artists. There's a limited amount of us, but there's unlimited amount of kids who need us, who need access, exposure. We can't get anywhere close to reaching all of them. So they have to become the leaders. They have to become Kira, who's like, all right, I'm going to step up and I'm going to have a conversation with the kids that you're having trouble with. We reach one kid in class. That kid goes home to their neighborhood and talks to five kids and is like, hey, let's make a different choice today. Let's use this thing that we learned how to write characters and let's write something together. They become a group, a writing group, a rap group. And they're saying positive things. They're expressing themselves. And then that goes viral. It's the only chance we have at long-term change. So our hope for this series is for you to use these stories, these tools, these strategies as inspiration. If you're in any youth-serving organization, if you're an educator, if you're a teacher, a teaching artist, share this. Use these tools as a guide. Yeah, and some of those tools and strategies include Uta Hagen's Six Steps to Building a Character, Story Circle, Hero's Journey, Three-Act Structure. Lots of cool stuff that help the kids tell stories in a structured format. And more importantly, beyond those storytelling tools, we're talking about social-emotional learning tools. What it means to vocalize self-love in a group setting. How to not blame yourself for the circumstances you're in. A set of team norms that both us as teaching artists and them as student artists must abide by. Showing them that we are in the mess with them, and we're not going to ask them to do anything that we won't do ourselves. So this season, we're going to take you through our spring program at Frederick Douglass High School and Forest Hill Academy. That was our first time working together. That's true, Gavin. We had not worked together, though we had been on a cruise together through Reimagine. But this was our first time in the classroom together. We jumped right in the fire together and went on this pretty cool journey. And you're going to go on this journey with us, where we started with conversations about financial literacy. And we had to figure out how we're going to start with that and eventually turn this into a song and music video with the kids. How do you manage your money? How do you earn money? And then we have to turn this into a story. And we did. And it ended up turning into a song and music video that addresses how we value ourselves as artists. It was written by the students, performed by the students. And it ended up premiering in the music video category at the Atlanta Film Festival. For real? For real. You remember that, Gavin? You were there. I know, but it's just so, it's still so mind-blowing. It is mind-blowing. Starting from words on paper, challenging them to not be satisfied, challenging their delivery, us challenging ourselves to push through, even when it got really, really hard and we didn't know if we were going to come out with anything that we were going to be proud of. It's not a profession. It's not a career. It's a calling. And whether you're a teacher first who's tasked with creating art with your students or you're an artist who wants to teach, you can do it. Yeah, I think you have to care. Care first. Everything else can fall into place. And that's why we're doing this. That's why we're sharing this. Is because everything can fall into place. You just need support. And the great thing also is we're not just going to show you our success. We're going to show you our failures too. Uh, things not to do. And we all have those 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 days when you're in the classroom and nothing seems to be working and you kind of just have to make it through to the next day and regroup, uh, we'll go through that process too. So it's the good, the bad, the ugly, and the great. Mm -hmm. 
messy, the challenging, the rewarding. Stay tuned. Here's a snapshot of the next episode. A little roundtable that we did with some of the students, getting their points, their views on financial literacy. We'll leave you with that. But for next time, I'm Gavin Bernard. I'm Badas Chaudhary. Say what we got to say. Find us wherever you listen to podcasts. We're on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher. Go ahead and go to etmpod.com. Follow us on Instagram at etmpod. Make sure to subscribe. Make sure to like. Make sure to leave some comments. And uh, tune in for the next episode. Yeah, and let us know. You know, let us know what you like, what you don't like. We're brand new to this. I've been doing it for years. He's been doing it for years. I'm brand new to this. I, well, I've been listening for years. So He's that, been listening, right. Th- that counts, right? Uh, that counts. All right, y'all. Love y'all. We out. Art books, pencils, paint, anything. I don't really spend my money on anything else. I said I spent a whole $100 bill on art supply. Me, personally, I don't have a method of saving money. It'd be like... As soon as I get some money, I don't even know what I want to do with it. Mm-hmm. It be different. Like I had, it would be my mood. Sometimes I feel like saving. Sometimes it be like forget it. I'm about to go spend everything. <laughs> it just depends on how I spend it. If it's like a little money, I probably like a hundred dollars or something I could save. But if it's more than that, then cash out. <laughs> the money gonna be gone. Thank you for listening to Embrace the Mess. Reimagining TL exists to equip the next generation of storytellers. We do this through exposure to different careers and spaces in the film and digital media industry, training students through workshops and special projects, and placement with internships and paid opportunities. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Find out more at reimagineatl.com.